Monday night, so it's time for a sports catch-up with Brian Waddle. Good evening, Brian. Good evening, Susanna. How lovely to be speaking with you. It's been a Thank while. Thank you very much, and nice to be talking to you. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> a, lo- a, a long while, if I remember. <laughs> it is a long while, but hey, time flies when you're having all kinds of fun and life, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and whether it is in uh, the radio business or it's the sporting business or just in life in general, enjoy it because, uh, you know, life can be too short at times and, uh, you know, the, the, the issues that the country are facing at the moment probably are a little bit bigger than sport, but we still have to uh, enjoy uh, the things that we do as pastimes as, as such because, uh, you know, that these things can catch up with you in a very quick space of time. That's exactly right. And it's also one of the great things that, that sport um, gives us, isn't it? Because wherever we are, yep. we, can, we, can, we can zone out from the thing that's in front of us while we check in because there's actually been a lot going on this, this past week, hasn't there, sports-wise? I mean, I'm happy oh, I'm talking with you. Sporting. Yeah, because we should, I mean, <laughs> well, where do we good. start, Right. There's a bit of a list here, which I'm grateful well, for, just for the record. Yeah, well, we can talk about uh, one of those items being the women's cricket team, who are still in with a chance of making the semi-finals at the World T20 Cup. But I think, sadly, time is running out on them. They've moved to second place where they want to be on the table of the preliminary games. But unfortunately, the efforts they've made in beating Sri Lanka, as they did earlier this morning, by 60 runs, or Bangladesh by 71 runs, uh, may be all for nothing because their net run rate will decide their position in the competition, and they have a net run rate of 0.138. They will be out tonight, I would think, praying and hoping that Bangladesh can deliver a win over South Africa because if South Africa win, New Zealand are out. And uh, that's the issue, to my mind, that uh, they, they've run out of time. Uh, great performance, though, today. They, they beat Sri Lanka. Uh, they really blitzed them, um, dismissing them for, uh, for 60. And it was, uh, you know, it was, an, it was an outstanding performance. And what did Captain Sophie Devine have to say about today? Because she wasn't happy with the first two games, understandably. No, she wasn't. And uh, we haven't actually heard, or I haven't heard from uh, Sophie, but I know and I heard from her after the first two games against Australia and South Africa. She called it embarrassing, and it was. A side like New Zealand should not have been in the position that they ended up in. Uh, there were some quality players in the gym, and we've got quite a number of quality players who failed to deliver. And when you get a world championship event like this, um, you have to make a good start. They got a bad draw, but, you know, that happens as well. You know, they got Australia first. Well, Australia are going to win this, uh, and that they are easily the best side. But New Zealand probably could have given themselves a better chance. They, they fell way behind in terms of net run rate, and then they lost to South Africa. And the issue from my point of view is that, you know, when you get to these events, uh, it's a team game, but your top players, the best players you've got, should be standing up. And uh, they didn't do it in that game. The last two against Bangladesh and and Sri Lanka, there's there's been a blitz from the the top order, the good players, the world-class players. 
But sadly, as I say, I think it may just bring them up short in the end result. Hmm. How about Amy Satterthwaite? Can we talk about her? Well, it's interesting that, yeah, here's, here's a lady who has probably been one of our best ever. We've got some very good uh, women cricketers over a long period of time. We can go back to Debbie Hockley. We can go back to uh, Pat McKelvey, a number of places. And, and Debbie, uh, Amy Satterthwaite has just announced her retirement from uh, the level of cricket that she plays at. And she did it in style. Uh, her last game at home for Canterbury at Hagley Oval, she scored a century. And over her long career, she scored 1,500s. The, the competition they play in, it's called the Halliburton Johnson, and it's uh, called List A Cricket. And she scored over 10,000 runs since she started playing in 2000. Yeah. Oh, amazing. She, uh, she is an outstanding cricketer. And technically, she's also a very good player um, in terms of the skills that she has. She is the one name that I uh, am disappointed is not with the team in South Africa. She should be. She had the issue where they didn't offer her a contract, so she retired from international cricket last year. But, you know, and I've said this on a number of occasions in a number of places, when you've got good players like that, the fact that she's 35 or that age, it doesn't matter. She is still the best at what she does, and you pick the best. It's nice to have developing young talent, but Amy Satterthwaite should be there to my mind. And I think that is what is hitting New Zealand hard because uh, she would have been able to do uh, an excellent job. She's going to be in the final of the uh, women's competition. I think that will be against Wellington as it stands out. They've already played Wellington uh, in the final of the T20 competition and soundly beat them. I think Wellington will have other ideas uh, about it now, though. And uh, hopefully she uh, she will end her season career on a high. Absolutely. And do we, when is that final, Brian? Do we know? March 4th is a name that rings a bell. I haven't had a look at the, the there's still a couple of games to play. Yeah. But uh, Wellington have already qualified by virtue of their uh, competition so far. And I think that um, Canterbury are, uh, are there or thereabouts. I'd have to go and have a look, but there's still four games to be played. And uh, but you know another Wellington Canterbury final would be a very intense examination of the women's game. Absolutely, it'll be a game to be at. That's for sure. That's for sure. And to give Amy Satterthwaite yeah. all going well a great send off. Yeah, well that that would, but of course me being a Wellingtonian, I'm not necessarily hoping that she gets a good send off because I'd like to see the Wellington ladies. The job. Did but, you see you know, how we did that? Did you see I, how I I'm just did that to you, Brian? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm allowed a bit of parochialism, aren't I? Of course you are. I'm from Wellington too. Absolutely. I'm with you there. But <laughs> I, I'm playing. Exactly. I'm, I'm playing a dollar each way, as you've already worked out. <laughs> exactly. We've got to give everybody a fair chance. We do. We do. Well, this is a perfect segue into the black caps. I mean, where do you start oh, with that? I know. Me. Here we go. Where you go? Where you go? Oh, oh. So I've had I've had sleepless days worrying about them, not sleepless nights, sleepless days. Um, I, I'm just thoroughly disappointed in the way they played against England. Yeah, it was a pink ball game, and the pink ball offers up different uh, scenarios in, in the game. But New Zealand, the Black Caps just did not 
deliver where we expect them to deliver. And they've got beaten a handsome margin, 267 runs. England are very good. We know that. Uh, they are coached by a New Zealander, Brandon McCullum. They're captained by a New Zealand-born player who makes his home in England, of course, in recent times, Ben Stokes. And these are the people who lead the England side. So they beat New Zealand last year. They're playing well. But I just think that New Zealand played below the level that they're capable of. Um, they are missing some key players. There's an argument that many people um, will uh, rage about whether Trent Bolt, who's available, should have been playing. He lived about 200 metres away from the ground, but they decided when he didn't accept the contract, they weren't going to play him. That in itself is, a, is an issue that can be debated long and hard. But they didn't have Matt Henry. Now, he comes back in after his wife gave birth to their uh, first child uh, during the test match. And uh, so he is back. And that means that one of either Tickner, Kugelein or Wagner may have to be replaced. And Henry Nichols on the batting side of things is not on the best of forms and form. And he may well have to uh, take some time sitting on the pine, so to speak, because of, of his form. So New Zealand have got a lot of hard work ahead of them and uh, the Basin Reserve is not an easy place to play when you're uh, a bit of a downer. Can they turn it around? <laughs> <laughs> well, they've, they've made a lot of changes over a period of time. I mean, there's a big argument going on now about the Wakefield Memorial, which, of course, has been something that's been at the Basin Reserve for, uh, um, well, since the 1840s. But, of course, uh, history has determined um, Wakefield was not uh, the uh, ideal person that uh, should have a memorial there, so there may well be changes there. But, uh, you know, I think that the uh, the Basin Reserve, if, if we can get some good weather, and I've had a look at the forecast, I don't know whether you have, it doesn't look too flash hmm. Friday Saturday, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But you know, New Zealand have got to pick themselves up. Only they can do that. You know, you've got to you've got to have some belief in yourself and belief that what you're doing. Uh, there was a lot of criticism that there's a wide gulf between New Zealand and England. That was denied by Tim Sally, the team captain. But I think he too could honestly look at the difference between the two sides and see that England are a vastly better side. And so that's where New Zealand have to pick up their game. I'm not adding any more. I'm not. I'm not letting you say another word. Let's just leave that right there. No, I don't. I don't want to right there. Down. Right there. Say no more, Brian. And can we go to the Halberg Awards? Take us there. What well, happened? the Halberg Awards created a little, a little bit of controversy. Um, the award was fine. Uh, I don't have any problem with that. Zoe Sadowski Sinnott is an outstanding athlete. She's what twenty-one years of age. Goodness me. And what she's achieved in that period of time and what she seems to continually achieve is outstanding. And it's interesting that we have a Halberg Award where, you know, uh, ski slopes are uh, the winners rather than the old uh, All Blacks or the old cricketers or the old whatever people who've been around a long time. You know, people who are plying their trade, individuals on the ski slopes. Nico Porteous won the men's award. Yes, there was a, a rugby award, the Black Ferns, deservedly so, the best sports team. And Wayne Smith, their coach, also uh, winning the award for Coach of the Year. Corey Peters getting the Para Award. But the night was, uh, well, it was 
tainted a little bit because Zoe Sadowski Sinnott's father made an acceptance speech for her. And uh, if you sort of follow Twitter, not everybody does, there was a lot of concern about some of the language and the words that we used that this kind of uh, event is not for uh, sort of um, poorly substituted adjectives and, and words that, you know, may well be commonplace these days. And I'm sure you know what I'm referring to in terms of the colourful language that was used. Sometimes I think you just need to uh, sit back and, uh, and and show a little respect. I, I can uh, use poorly chosen words with the best of people and, and it, it's probably more common these days than it might have been 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But uh, a prestige event like that probably deserved uh, just just a little bit more respect. So, you know, that was a controversy. It'll be forgotten in a hurry, just like everything else. Which leads us, not that I'm talking about controversy, but to the Phoenix, because they are really continuing to push for a top six playoff spot, right? You betcha they are. And, you know, they've got a tough road ahead of them. Uh, you know, the Phoenix trying to make their way in an Australian competition. Everything's against them. I don't follow them as closely as some people, but I, I worry about them at times because they seem to come away on the wrong end of some of the most controversial decisions. But last weekend they beat, um, well, the, the defending uh, champions who are now at the bottom of the table and they beat them 3-0 quite convincingly in Australia, Western United. And to be able to do that is an outstanding performance. What it's meant, of course, is they now have a tough round of games. I think there's another five or six rounds still to go. But uh, the next round is against the second-placed side, and uh, that happens to be the Central Coast Mariners, who are a pretty efficient sort of side. Then the week after that, they come up against uh, the Newcastle Jets, and then following that, Sydney FC. Now, the interesting thing about that is that the Phoenix are placed fifth on the table at the moment, but they have the same number of points there as the Newcastle Jets and the Sydney FC. Those games are going to be in New Zealand, which will help them and give them an opportunity to, you know, really um, show their wares because they are playing some pretty good footy this uh, this season. Uh, but, you know, it's... It's the business end of the competition now. And if you want to get into the uh, the finals, you've got to get into the top six at the moment. Phoenix are fifth. And uh, I, I back them to be able to do it. I, I've been quite impressed by the quality of their play and uh, some of the individuals who are mixing that team together well, something special. Absolutely. Go the Phoenix, which, of course, now leads us to the to Breakers. <laughs> and they've secured a final well, spot. Hey, I don't know. Was that too fast they a segue? Indeed. I don't know. Maybe that was a bit quick. No, that's, okay. a, that okay. is a, that's a brilliant segue because they are in the finals and not many people expected them to be there. I think 2016, if my poor memory serves me well, was the last time they hit the finals. But they won a best of three series against a team called the Jack Jumpers. Now, you, would you support the Breakers or the Jack Jumpers? They're from Tasmania. Breakers, the mate. Jumpers. The Breakers. No? Yeah, the Breakers. Yeah, Breakers, of course. Yeah, come yeah. on. Well, that was a trick they question. They did that. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I was, I was just, just trying to... You were having me a, on. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. exactly. Bit of that, yeah. But now, of course, uh, that was a best of three series. They've got a best of five series against the Sydney Kings, and they are a good side. They are the side that I favour because they've got a uh, post-season record better than the Breakers. Only just, but they are the side. And uh, so it's a best of five, but they get the opportunity to play at home games one, three, and five whereas the Breakers only have uh, games in New Zealand, games two and games four. So there's a slight advantage, home advantage. But, you know, there's some there's some wonderful players. And, and the household names, of course, that we've known over a long period of time for the Breakers, Tom Abercrombie, Rob mm-hmm. Lowe and others, have been joined by a guy called Barry Brown Jr. who scored 32 points. Incredible. In the last game that uh, he played. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was the reason. It was a home game. He was the reason that they performed as well as they did and uh, in the final. So next weekend, uh, first game in Sydney. And uh, hopefully our side will be able to go on the road and upset the Sydney Kings. But, you know, it's an exciting competition. They, under Modi Mayor, the, uh, the coach, who I don't know was a household name in New Zealand before he took over coaching uh, that side, uh, has certainly made himself uh, a household name and he's developed a side that is exciting to watch. They're entertaining and they are winning. And, uh, you know, that's all you can ask from a team, really. Absolutely. And just remind us, when is that game? I think the first one starts this weekend, Friday, Saturday, something like that. I have to look into that, but it's um, it's coming up yeah. uh, fairly soon. Very and, good. And, um, yes. No, it's so good. It's so good. It's exciting, isn't it? I mean, let's face it, we've got teams to be watching and following and, you know, for and against and all the rest of it. Um, but but now well, into this, oh, no, keep going. Away you go. I was just going to say the, the, the hard bit for all these sides is we have, you know, we're one against 10, 12, 14, 16, however many Australian teams there are in the competition. So we're battling in most of the sports and, and we come up pretty well when we, when we look at... Um, the Breakers and the Phoenix, um, you know, they're right up there uh, at the top level. Great start. It absolutely is. Now, solo performance, Lydia Coe, masterful display, eh? Can you just sort of recap? Well, she is uh, the top of the women's tree at the moment. Um, and quite clearly, her recent marriage hasn't affected her ability to play the game at the top level. She finished last year in Florida, winning something like, uh, well, the equivalent of New Zealand at $2 million, which took her high on the uh, list of um, winners in terms of the, uh, the the women's event. And she started this year. She bypassed an event in America to play in Saudi Arabia, and uh, she's just won that and won it quite convincingly. So, you know, in the space of a couple of tournaments, she's picked herself Ooh, three, three and a half million dollars, uh, which you know is tidy, good, a good living, but it it's just an indication that she's uh, found that form that made her a hit and made her number one a number of years ago on the women's game, and uh, she's back there again, and uh, her game seems to be. Uh, as as strong and as consistent as she always has been, and uh, she's one of ours, so she's she's doing wonderfully well. 
No, it's wonderful. Do we know where she's going to be playing next? I would think she's probably going back to the uh, women's tournament in the United States because that's basically where she's signed up and has been uh, a long-standing member. But obviously she gets uh, invited to take part in these uh, other competitions. The interesting thing from my point of view is, is a women's golf tournament being played in Saudi Arabia, and yet there are so many political issues involved with playing sport, particularly women's sport and the way women are treated in Saudi Arabia because there was the argument going on about the women's World Cup soccer being sponsored by the uh, Saudis and uh, the, the suggestion that uh, New Zealand and Australia should refuse to have them. And there was a, I'm, I'm not sure where that is at at the moment, but, um, you know, it's just, uh, just strange that this tournament should be in uh, Saudi Arabia. But good luck to uh, Lydia Ko. She's uh, making her own decisions and taking the money away from uh, the Saudi region, I suppose. She's definitely cleaning up right now, which is great to see. Now, the Warriors. What happened? The Warriors and the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, well, it was a great start to the warm-up. They're coming to the end of their warm-up for the NRL, and they had a very good win over the Tigers. But oh, it's turned around um, for them. And I suppose it's that time of the season, you know, that the coaches look at their playing roster and they're trying guys in different positions. I didn't see this particular game, but they were leading 6-0 at halftime in a warm-up game against the Melbourne Storm. But the Storm stormed back in the second half and beat them by 24-6. to You know, there's the old cry that goes up, and I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago with Karen about, you know, this is our year. Well, that uh, Warriors cry has been around for every year since uh, they first made it in the, the Australian NRL. Um, so they're looking under a new coach, Andrew Webster, to put themselves in line for another um, shot at the top level, but it's tough. They always find it tough. And I'm sure that uh, as time goes by, they will uh, start to get the mix. But consistency has always been their problem. And I think that's proven in the, the two results they had, a good win and then a, a pretty hefty loss. Yeah, Warriors hang in there. Okay, well, last but not yeah. least, the Football Ferns. What's going on in their preparation for the Women's World Cup? Oh, well, they've had plenty of good opportunities. They just haven't been able to take those opportunities and use them. They have a game against Argentina. I think it's probably about finish time now. And uh, having followed on... Um, games against uh, the United States and other sides and been beaten quite uh, handsomely, 5-0 on a couple of occasions. They've come back and only been beaten by 2-0. I I think they're taking the opportunity to try out different players. I'm not so aware of the strength of the the women's game, but as hosts or co-hosts with Australia, they want to make a good fist of it. So... 2-0, 2-0, uh, being beaten by Argentina, we'll take that as a positive improvement for them. Uh, hopefully that they can, somewhere along the line, get their game together. Their problem at the moment is scoring goals. Uh, and so that's one of the things that they have to uh, to try and uh, improve on. Because just remind me, the Women's World Cup, when does that kick off? June, June July. 
yeah. uh, somewhere yeah. out there. It's it's being played uh, both in New Zealand and Australia. So you know we're going to get some good games here in New Zealand, and and it'll be uh, it'll be exciting for the followers of the game because uh, you know our uh, football teams, uh, the underage group teams, have um, generally performed pretty pretty well. Um, and hopefully that you know when you when you look at the excitement that was generated last year by the Women's Rugby World Cup and, and exactly. everybody got involved. Absolutely. Like that, was, that was the most important thing. That, that, yeah, the public got involved. And hopefully the same will happen for the football ferns when uh, when the footy comes around. So um, fingers crossed, we'll wait and enjoy as it uh, comes along. We absolutely will. Brian Waddle, thank you so much. What a treat to speak sport with you tonight. Look forward to hearing from you next yeah, week. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes, indeed. All the best. Thanks, Brian. Thanks very much. Cheers.